What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. What's up? In case you did not know, Team Chat Podcast is a weekly video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. You can subscribe and find us in all the different places to listen, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, let's see. Let's go down the list here a little bit. SoundCloud, Stitcher. We have a full list at teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen. You can also watch each episode in video format, either on our YouTube channel or over on Twitch. Those are pretty easy to find. YouTube.com slash teamchatpodcast or twitch.com or .tv slash teamchatpodcast. But anywhere you want to find us across the web, we're pretty much there. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email or something like that. You can do that by sending us an email at teamchatpodcast at gmail.com, following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to our, our Instagram as well. It Finally, we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you would really enjoy and love what we're creating, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, and in return, we'll give you a cool perk like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release. And also, oh, the other big one that we're really trying to push right now is join our Discord. A lot of fun stuff. We actually had our first Team Chat game night the other night. Oh, yeah, we it did. Was we fun. played Mario Kart, and yeah. it was very fun. It was a lot of fun. Chez's Enjoyed it a lot. son is pretty good. He's at, good? Uh, at the Mario Kart. So is his wife. Yeah. They're both pretty good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun time, so we'll be doing more of those, I'm sure, in the future. But anyway, that's our Discord. Send us a message, ask for it. We'll give you the link. Fun stuff. I can't make that noise. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the last little bit of announcement. Today, as of today, July 31st, the day this episode is airing, it is the last day of our PS4 giveaway. So, Kevin! 11.59 tonight, it's over. It's done. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, entered by then, sorry, Jack, you're out of luck. Or Jill. And so, you know, but, and then we'll be announcing the, the winner very soon. So, and where can afterwards. people find ways to enter that contest if they're uh, doing their last-minute panic run? Check our social media, Twitter, Facebook, it, or Instagram. It's all there. You can also go to our website, teamchatpodcast.com, and then there's a tab at the top for PS4 giveaway where there's a page that you can go do that there. There are multiple ways to enter people, so multiple you can ways. get in more I think than you one can, entry. You can enter, yeah, I think I have it set for... Four or five, I think, different entries and that we you can have, put in there. So yeah. we have no limit on households. If yeah. you have siblings, a cat maybe that can work the internet, or there you go. a significant other, all of you can enter. No, that's limits. true. <laughs> so go head over and f- enter in that contest before it is over. Again, eleven fifty nine, July thirty first. It's done. It's over. Used PS four Glacier White. His name is Kevin. Five hundred gigs. Boom. All right, that's all out of the way. Housekeeping's done. But um, you know what I'm always curious about is what kind of games are coming out? Oh, well, Let's get we've, some news. Got, we've got some news for you. So just a real quick caveat. I just got Invisalign. So sorry if I'm talking a little bit funny. Uh, still getting used to the liners. So out now and coming soon as of this episode's air date, July 31st. Out now on July 31, we have Code of Princess EX for the Switch, mm-hmm. a popular, I think, JRPG style game. Uh, we also have Titan Quest for the Switch and Chasm for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. On August 1st, we have coming out Yakuza 0 for PC. We also have on August 2nd, Iconoclasts for the Switch. That's a hard one to say. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, we've got some more S's. Sorry. Um, On August 2nd, we have Salt and Sanctuary for the (laughs) Switch. This freaking sucks. Um, And then on August 3rd, we have WarioWare Gold for 3DS. And on August 7th, Overcooked 
two. Yes. I know you're really excited for that. I've book. got that on pre-order. It's on my calendar. And like it's it's gonna be a good day. And it's coming out for everything. PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, August seventh. Everyone can play Overcooked Two. And, and everyone it's only should like $20. play. Yeah, yeah, you should play it. It's awesome. And then finally, also on August seventh, we have Dead Cells for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Nice. There we go. Salt Sanctuary. Fuck off. <laughs> All your S's. <laughs> All those S's. <laughs> All right. Well, our big topic of today, this is actually a one of our one a question or topic that was submitted by one of our patrons, Ark. Uh, she wanted us to talk again about indie games. We talked about we did a list of of our like of three of our favorite indie games way back when, a long time ago. Yeah, a long time. Um, ago. and so this one isn't necessarily Ark the the special twist she wanted us to look at with this is she wanted us to focus on indie games that are specifically from Smaller developers. I think she was saying she wanted us to go either less than 10 or even for a real challenge, less than five. That mostly did not happen. <laughs> mostly did not happen. Uh, I got close. The game I'm going to talk about only has a development team of 12. Honestly, though, Ark, you know, uh, you can raise a pitch torch against us in the Discord later, but I honestly just don't play that many of, of the games that are, I like, I yeah. enjoy indies. And everything, but I also don't normally tend to play the ones that have the very small development teams and stuff like that. Normally, just because I know it in those instances, you're probably getting it for the mechanics and somewhat and the story and different stuff like that. But you know, sometimes the graphics are a little hard for me to go. Yeah, you know, I, uh, which I, I know that's just me. I and, mean, you know, that's not just you. It's any gamer that's kind of looking for a bit more of a refined experience. Yeah. A lot of the smaller indie games. They're just not for everybody, and that's really the nature of indie games. They're mm -hmm. usually there to uh, be applicable to a very specific audience, and two of the games I'm going to talk about, oh, buddy, they are for two very specific and very different audiences. Yeah. Uh, and actually, one of them does fit into the category of being from a very small development team. The other one kind of does. Yeah. So we'll. So we'll we tried to be as later. we tried to be as true to the question as we could, but obviously we wanted to be upfront that we weren't able to quite nail it on the head. But and I mean, I have studios, played a couple. Like yeah. the the one that comes to mind that I know for sure is like definite. Like this only had two people working on it. Was Super Meat Boy. That I played, right? Uh, which a fun game, very very difficult and challenging. They're actually coming out with a second one, a second uh, a sequel to Super Meat Boy. And didn't you talk about that one the last time we did any game? I probably did. Yeah, I talked about. I know I talked about Super Meat Boy uh, Severed by Drinkbox Studios. Oh yeah, that's right. Which also, speaking of, if you're looking for another great indie game, Severed, great game also. But Drinkbox also has the other. They're also the creators of the Guacamelee. Oh yeah, and Guacamelee Two is and coming Guacamelee out. Guacamelee Two soon. is yeah. coming out mid August as well. If you're a PS Plus member, it's only. Fifteen dollars, really? Yes, oh, it's normally twenty. You got a little, you get a little off the top if you okay, pre-order okay. SPS Plus. So pre-order Guacamelee Two. I haven't yet, but I'm going to because Guacamelee One was fantastic. and it has a really fun super soundtrack. Fun. Super fun soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack is so good. It's got a great like combo battle system. You know, for those of you who don't know, you're. Juan Agave, an agave farmer, and who uh, is takes on the persona of like a of a of a luchador to fight the undead, and it's it's uh, who doesn't do that in their time off right? work being it's an agave great. farmer? Am I right? It's great, and you learn sage advice from an old man who turns himself into a goat and back again. You get chicken power or pollo power, I should say. Oh, right, pollo. Pollo power, you know, to perform all of your moves and everything. It's oh my god, it's so good. So but good. that is unfortunately not the game we're talking about. Not today. the games we're talking because about today. It's not out so yet. since I only have the one, I, I I've chose to focus on one, or really one and a developer. Uh, you have two that you're yes. wanting to talk about. So why don't you start off with one of yours? So I wanted to talk about two games that I played very recently, but that I had both 
owned for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of the games I have on my list, I got as part of the free games for PS Plus. So the first I'm going to talk about is Bound Ah. for PS4. That's the one that I think you saw That's the one I saw you playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bound for PS4, A, it's really hard to find on Google because you have to be very specific that it's Bound bound PS4. Yeah, Bound Game PS4. Otherwise, the internet like freaks out and it's like, what are you talking about here? And it's like, God damn it. I just want a game. I just want a game. Not bedroom chop, games. Chop. <laughs> so Bound for PS4 is from Plastic Studios, a Polish developer made up of about 10 to 12 people. Okay. And it's published by Santa Monica Studios, which I believe is a bigger studio. But that that's is a big one. publisher. Right, right. So Plastic Studios, again, this is a Polish team. From what I could find on their very Polish website, I was like, oh boy, this is... <laughs> See, I honestly, when I saw you were playing it, I was like, oh no, does that is that one actually an indie? Because I thought it, because I knew it was published no. by Santa Monica. No, And so not. I went and looked and then I saw it was like developed by Plastic and then yeah. I was like... I can't find anything on this. Exactly, and that's what makes it an indie. If you can't find Jack Squad on the developer, you know it's super indie, which is actually part of what made this topic particularly difficult Mm -hmm. is finding out how many people were even on this team was really challenging. Right. I had to go to their website, translate everything, attempt to find where they had like their about or team section. And then I just kind of counted how many people I saw on the team section. And I was like, yeah, it's about 10 to 12 people. Uh, So the creative director though is probably the one that people that are fans of this game would be the most familiar with. His name is Michael uh, and it's spelled with just an A, M I C. C-H-A-L. Staniszewski? God, I really hope I'm saying that right. I'm really sorry if I'm not. Uh, Polish name pronunciation is a struggle for me. Uh, And uh, Michael Staniszewski said about this game that it took about three and a half years to develop, which for as short of a game as it is, I actually found that pretty surprising. But when you go into more about how they developed Mm -hmm. it, you realize why. That's why it took so long. So the game was designed to be best played in a single sitting, he says, and he suggested that investigating too much of the game before playing it would cause the experience to be spoiled. Mm. And he compared that experience to the likes of Journey and Firewatch. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say right off the bat that I did not finish this game uh, and I also don't plan to. How far are you into it? So I think, uh, no, I know that I am... I'm three-fourths of the way finished, oh, okay. but my motivation to finish the game has just totally bottomed out. Really? So first I'm going to talk about some of the negatives, and then I'll move on to the positives, which are really positive. Mm-hmm. So this game is really polarized in my own like personal viewpoint, because on the one hand, the artistry, which I'll talk about later, is next level. It's a beautiful game. It was beautifully made with intention, but that is all tragically dragged down into the depths by its incredibly lackluster gameplay. Really? Yeah. Uh, the actual game itself, play playing through it, it's really boring. <laughs> like, hmm. it's straight up kind of a boring game. So the idea from Michael Stanzuski was that he wanted to make a game that was for, very specifically, he said this, I think, in an interview, he wanted to make a game for older gamers that have been gaming for as long as they've been alive. So kind of our type of demographic. Mm-hmm. Well, not you. My type of demographic. I, mean, I've been, I, mean, I may not have owned a console <laughs> you know, I just, until way I just like to give late. you heck. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so he made it to be for older gamers who are in a sense uh, tired of having to constantly be in combat or do puzzles to mm-hmm. get through the game and who are also short on time, which is why it is a shorter game. The thing is, the thing is, Michael Stanislavski, 
uh, combat and puzzles are fun, <laughs> and when you take those things out of a game, uh, in this particular case, I feel like you lost a lot. So I know this game is it centers around like you're a dancer in some way, and you're trying to you know again I haven't gone too much into it either because I di- I did know that it was very similar like what you're saying you didn't want to know too much about it before yes. you went in, but so without you know giving too much away how if there's no puzzles or you know combat kind of stuff what what do you do so i can give you the gist of the game without giving away the story and essence of it so when the game opens up this is very early game you aren't actually in the scenes that people have likely seen from the trailers you're a regular human woman and you get out of a car and you're looking at a house in the distance and you've got like a journal with you and she's pregnant like Mm -hmm. eight months she's definitely about to have that baby at any minute i was like oh lady should you be doing this so she gets out of a car it's like a very somber scene instead of walking directly to the house she kind of veers left and goes to the seaside so Mm -hmm. it's an oceanside house It's a gray day. It's very like New England feeling. And she's just kind of quietly walking through the sand, clearly very pensive about something. And she stops along the way three to four times to look at her journal, which is actually full of like artistically drawn pictures. And the pictures are really good because they actually feel very realistic in that they're not super good, but they are clearly from somebody's own mind, which gives them a lot of personality. Mm -hmm. The pictures that she's drawn are actually how you play the game. So if you're flipping through her journal and you're looking at a page, the game will say, hey, you can hit X and basically enter the page. So let's say, for example, that I'm looking at a picture of paper airplanes. Mm -hmm. If I hit X, I'm basically taken to that level of the game. So each page is a level in essence. And each level is essentially trying to have you as this nameless title character relive parts of her childhood that really weren't good. So a lot of it is kind of like emotionally hashing out childhood trauma. Not like in the vein of, um, what's that one? Captain, Captain Spirit. Captain Spirit, yeah. yeah. Not quite in the vein of Captain Spirit. (laughs) Not quite that heavy. Not quite that heavy, but still it's like, hey, these are painful memories from somebody's past that she's trying to emotionally grapple with now. Right. And that's the essence of the game. That's exactly what it's trying to do. So when you enter each page, and this is where the game really has its high notes, you are taken to this alternate reality that is clear just in her own mind of this beautiful polygonal world of just hard edges and geometry and like organic, inorganic life because Mm -hmm. the world has a ton of movement. Everything about the world is moving all the time. Like the floor is moving, the sky moves, everything moves. You move, of course. So movement is a very big part of the game and it is one of its high points. And in this alternate reality, you are a dancer. You are actually the princess of this world. And there are four characters of this other world. There's you, the princess, the hero slash savior, the king and the queen. And this is very clearly her, her brother, her father, and her mother. Like, those are the characters that you're interacting with. Um, How should I say this without giving too much away? Each of the levels, you eventually get to a point where you encounter, like, a boss. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that very loosely because you don't fight anything. You just sort of encounter them. You just win by the power of dance. Yeah, you're exactly right. (laughs) You win by the power of dance. That is exactly true. Dance off. So the mechanics are you can obviously walk. Mm -hmm. You can run. uh, You can jump. You can do, like, a kind of dodge move, which is, like, this very ballet type of spin kick kind of thing. Uh, You can roll. And you 
you can hold down R2 on the PlayStation version, which is just your blanket dance button. And when you dance, it takes her a minute to get started, but she'll do this pre-made dance that basically causes a protective aura to appear around her. And that protective aura basically keeps things from being able to... Uh, inhibit your movement mm -hmm. because you can't get hurt exactly you can fall off the map and die uh, but there are no lives it just starts you back where you started if you happen to die nothing can technically so nothing's kill. it's not really a punishing game it's not a punishing game nothing can really kill you it can just slow you down okay and you dance obviously to get things away from you but your character does make very distressed noises uh when she's being dragged down she'll like kind of scream at you and you're like oh god stop it lady i'll fix it it's kind of like when wrecking ball dies and Overwatch and Hammond squeaks. I don't feel bad for him. I love killing him. <laughs> Anyways, so back to Bound. Uh, when you get to the basic boss of the level, mm -hmm. they basically like hurt you kind of, and you have to hold down your dance button to do her dance for that level, which defeats the boss and gives you a memory. So, quick question. You yes. say you hold down the dance button. Is there literally only one button? There's one button for dance. It's R2. Oh. Yeah. So exactly. So this that's, is kind that's, of... That's... I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. there's nothing... There's nothing... So the no thing depth is, to it more there's no depth the to gameplay. the gameplay. It is extremely shallow. Mm. That's one of the primary complaints that the majority of gamers had. You... So... The idea was they wanted to make it this really type of dancing game to kind of get away from walking simulators. Mm -hmm. I feel like this game was more of a walking simulator than any other walking sim I've played. Well, especially if there's no, like, super combat stuff. Like, you know, you talk about Firewatch, which is basically you're walking around and doing some stuff, but you're trying to, like, solve this mystery you and there's, like, these depths. To do. And this yeah. one feels like it's very empty in that regard. It, it felt very empty. So it feels like a very... Um, it's just like a non-game, mm -hmm. honestly. You feel like you're doing nothing. Other people might, you know, f be getting a lot out of it if they're really invested in the story and in the memories that you unlock up th at the end of each level. I found it so boring. I have no intention to finish this game. You'll never I know really if there's don't. like some emotional twist at the end. I really don't think there is. Yeah. Frankly, Not I don't like think rhyme there, or no, anything like that. I don't think there are any twists. And bringing up rhyme. Rhyme did this exact same kind of approach of being this really emotionally heavy but more minimalistic game. Mm -hmm. Rhyme did it so much better. Rhyme did it in spades. It was extremely emotionally grabbing. Mm -hmm. Bound just feels really empty. Interesting. So unfortunately, the gameplay is super subpar. I honestly can't super recommend it uh, to people because I think most people will not get a lot out of this game. But I will say I am extremely impressed by the developer studio's ambition. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of ambition in this game because your title character, who has no name, the princess, all of her movements are ballet. Literally all of them. Her walk is this extremely graceful ballet walk. Her run is a slightly faster, like, little ballet hop. Mm -hmm. All of her moves are like pirouettes and these beautiful dancing motions. Everything in the world feels extremely graceful and beautiful in kind of a tragic, bittersweet way. Mm -hmm. Not like a happy kind of dance, but right. like a somber dance. But how they achieved that is they did motion capture for all of her movements from a real Very dancer. Nice. Um, her name is Maria Dodd. I know I'm not getting that right. Um, 
I know it's Maria, but I can't remember her last name. Let me look it up just real quick. Jarrett, talk while I do this. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is your re- reminder. Before this episode's over, if you're listening to this Tuesday on July 31st, when this episode aired, uh, remember, the PS4 giveaway, it's still sitting out there for you to go and enter. You have until 11.59 tonight. Nice NPR July voice. July 31st. <laughs> That's when the contest ends, and you will no longer be able to enter. Exactly. Now back to Mogan. And that was an excellent timing. So as far as the uh, actual gameplay goes... Her name is Maria Udod. I was so close. So it's U-D-O-D. So Maria Udod. She was chosen to be the uh, motion capture model due to her experience in ballet and contemporary dance and jazz. So her choreographer is Michael Adam Goral. That's a very European spelled name. They're like little slashes through the L's. I don't know what that means. (laughs) This is how I feel like it's going to be like whenever we're talking about Cyberpunk 2019. 77. It's going to be a rough time, man. Or like whenever we talk about anything with The Witcher and we're like, yeah, this goes developed by, oh, good lord. Oh, God. (laughs) How do we say this? Yeah, but all of her movements of the animations were captured through motion capture. Very nice. Down to her movements, her dances, and even just her standing still motions. So like if you stop, she'll just kind of stand there and she'll do like dancer stretches, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a really nice touch. The music is beautiful. And who does the music? I don't know. But I'll, it's I'll a mystery. Like yeah, you look I it thought, up. I know it's not... I feel... I want to say it's either Austin Wintory or Gareth Coker, but I could be wrong. I, it might be Gareth Coker. I don't think it's Austin Wintory. But the music is a fascinating mix of these really organic piano tones, mm. strings, mixed in with, to kind of match this polygonal, very angular world, a synth. Like, kind of these very electronic synth sounds. So it makes for a really almost disorienting experience, but it fits the world so well that it just works. So the visuals, the dance, and the soundtrack, very, very good. The artistic styling that they chose for this game is the best example of contemporary art in a game I've ever seen. Mm. It's really good, like contemporary slash modern art. But the actual gameplay, unfortunately, is just, it tanks it. Just tanks it. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, oh my God. Fender's having better. puppy dreams. He's having dog dreams. <laughs> it might get loud here in a second. He, <laughs> sometimes at, at night we'll be we'll be laying there in bed and he falls asleep before we do. And we'll just be laying there and he, or he'll wake up in the middle of the night because it's full on. <laughs> Just going nuts. Fender. Uh, Hainali is the the composer. Oh, boy. I would not have gotten that right to save my life. So, uh, anyways, Bound PS4. It's a beautifully visually and aesthetically done game. Very subpar gameplay. I want to say this is like one of the very first games that we haven't... Like we 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 play stuff, and we're, you know, I feel like we're also like both of us are kind of like silver lining people with this yeah. kind of stuff. Like we play a game, we're like it had its problems, but still, I had a great time. It's kind of interesting that like this is one of the first ones. Where, like you have these things that you're good about, but you're like it wasn't enough to save it. And and honestly, I was very surprised by that. Yeah, um, I downloaded Bound in the first place because I thought I definitely want to play that game. Mm-hmm. And when I first played it, I did have a very positive reaction to it. But as the game went on, and I realized. There's not more than this. Yeah. The game really doesn't give you much 
there's no motivation to explore. There are different ways to play through the different levels. There are actually hundreds of ways mm -hmm. to complete each level because the physics are really interesting. And it gives you a lot of different verticality and ways to interact with the environment. But why? Yeah. Why would you do that? There's no reason to take the hard route at all. Mm -hmm. The game gives you no incentive to take that extra mile. So why would you? Yeah. I'm not getting anything out of it, and honestly, I'm kind of bored, so why would I keep playing this game? So yeah, understandable. This is actually a, a very rare, really negative review from me. Yeah. Found PS4, didn't like it. Not, Wished I had, not didn't great. like it. Not All great. Right. All right, well, I'm going to give that one the boo. The boo? Yeah. So, like, on our percentage... 30% hate. Ooh. Yeah. No, so, so just 30%. Like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's low. It's low on that list, man. Oof. Oof. My game that I want to talk about. So, I really only had this one that I wanted to go about. I was hoping to get time to play a few more to try a different one. Like I said at the beginning, I don't play, you know, indie games a ton. So, my list here is a little bit limited. But I hopefully did art. I got, like I said earlier, I got the, the developer of this game has only 12 people. So, it fits small developer studio, but uh, it's super giant games. And I've played their first game and their third game, Bastion and Pyre, respectively. But now I'm sat down and have been playing through their second game, Transistor, which I think, just based on since I've played the first and third game, it's an interesting seeing how the second game has the influences of the first and the third and how you can really see like the the progress of like here's Bastion, here's where we started with, here's Transistor, we're trying a few more things, building on this model that we've set up, and then here we have Pyre, which you know takes all the things from Transistor and Bastion and builds them all together in these unique different packages, which I think that Supergiant has done so well with in creating these three similar in in like their development and some gameplay mechanics but also very very standalone and separate games i also feel like it's kind of rare to see that from an indie game studio mm -hmm. not because they don't make games but because it's just not that common to see what appears to be kind of a linear natural line of progression yeah a lot of studios for example the studio that did a uh, rhyme tequila studios mm -hmm. they had the sexy brutale which was wildly different from Rhyme. Mm -hmm. Those are just two examples of their games. I think they also did Dead by Daylight. Oh, really? Double check me on that one, but they had a third game that was like radically different I'll from their other two as well. So it's the kind of thing where they're a studio that is making games consistently, but they are consistently very, very different. Whereas what I know of Supergiant Games, theirs tend to follow a bit more of a visible line of progression. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like Behavior Digital, so not the same. Oh, okay, just kidding. Uh, I'll, um, I'll figure out what that third one was, but okay. I saw it and I was like, wow, that is different. So basically, in Transistor, it's a cyberpunk-themed game, which I feel like is a really interesting setting. Uh, you know, because it all everything looks and has the look and feel of like a computer chip. Like, well, obviously your main weapon, the transistor, is does look like a computer chip. Uh, but then also costumes and and everything like that it seems very almost Victorian. So very, you know, the typical steampunkish style. This like new technology mixed with the old fashioned and dress and things like that. But it's also in a very cyber setting. So I feel like the setting of this game is really great. Um, and so you play as Red a singer who has lost her voice and you're in the city of Cloudbank is where you're at. The game basically starts where you are pulling the transistor from this dead body. Officer, and, I swear. Uh, he stabbed himself. Well, that's it wasn't kind of me. Thing. It's like you you get it and then you take off and you run and you and you realize that somehow the transistor has taken in the thoughts and the 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 being 
of the person who was killed by it. So the transistor then acts as your game's narrator. And there's a lot of mystery in everything that you have in this, in the setup of the game because you, you're on the run from somebody. You realize later that that is this crime or this group known as the Camerata, and they are kind of like the ruling class of CloudBank. But you don't understand why your voice has been stolen. You don't understand why Red, why Red, Red is your character, but you don't understand why the transistor, the man who was killed by the transistor, why was he killed? Why is the transistor picked up his voice and everything? And so as you go through, you're trying to solve these mysteries, basically. And like I said, the transistor acts as your narrator where, you know, he will ask you questions about the situation, ask you questions about the setting. Like, why did it, why is this happening? What's going on? There are also these news outlets, uh, news terminals that you can go to that give a little bit more context clues to the situation of the setting. But you can basically tell something's going wrong in CloudBank. People aren't, people are being killed. People are being overrun and you're being, and the city is being overrun by these machines that are collectively known as the process, but there are different versions of the machines that have different abilities and how you have to combat and fight against them. Um, so the process are your enemies. Yes. Okay. Yes. The process are your enemies. And then so far, like I said, I'm, I'm only like halfway through the game so far. So this is more of a first impression rather than full review. Although I feel like I have the base other than story. I kind of have a feel for what the game is right. and what it has about. And, and honestly, which the mechanics are this game so far for me, it's biggest selling point. Uh, so this is why I think actually, Mogan, that you would be a huge fan of this game because the combat style is very turn-based like JRPGs, like we've had with, you know, Octopath Travel and different things that you've talked about, Bravely Default, stuff like that. Yeah. The other one I think of is Child of Light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how this works is you go through the game and you have your basic attack, uh, from that you use the transistor. But then as you go, you find these other, at the beginning at least, in the early game, you find these dead, these dead citizens of CloudBank, and you're able to take their persona, basically. They call it the trace in the game, and that gives you then a function that you can add to the transistor, so basically a new attack and new ability. You can have four main ones that you plot to the X, circle, square, and triangle buttons on your controller, but then as you gain more of these functions, you can then add those to your main functions as to act as upgrades. So you can combine the abilities of all these different functions together to create these moves and super moves. You can also have passive, uh, passive abilities that you can slot these functions into and you unlock more upgrades and passive slots as the game goes on. So you can basically have a main function, a sub function, and then off to the side, a passive function as well. Yes. Gotcha. So that allows for an interesting way of having to, of how you can set up and analyze your attacks and your and everything because you have to choose, you know, pairing all these different functions together to figure out what's going to fit a your play style, but then also be able to do the most amount of damage. Right. Which also allows to a lot of customization for the game style because for your playing style because when you actually come to combat, you can run up and just hit one of the buttons and it'll do the attack. But the main way that you're really supposed to do the combat system is through the turn system, is what they call it. Where basically you hit the right trigger or two. Gameplay freezes. Then you are able, you have like this slot, this bar, ability bar basically at the top, and then you're able to pick your moves from your functions. So you can select an enemy and say, I want to do the X attack with this one, and then I'm going to pair that with the circle attack because this one has like a explosive damage and all this other stuff, and then you, I'm going to move over here and then attack this one. And then whenever you've, you've finished and you can... 
once you've activated turn, you can manipulate and change it up as many times as you want. You can say, try out like one sequence of attack and then decide, you know what, I don't like that. You can undo it all by pressing the left trigger and then reconfigure your moves. So there's no timer per se. Not when you've gone into turn. No, there's so not. So when like time you, is frozen, you have as much time as you want to plot yes. out what you're going to do. Yes, to have the best and most effective impact in in the setting. And then when you're ready to go, you hit R two. Red will run through the attack sequence, and then that bar has to recharge. And you can't use the turn sequence until that bar recharges. In that time period, then you're going to be running away from the process and from your process enemies and trying to get behind cover because there are also uh, these barriers that will pop up but they can also be destroyed either by you or the process and so you know there's this one i think it's called a jerk is the is the robot and basically what it is it's this big giant mech and it just slams the ground and moves and as the shockwaves it just tears through these walls so you've got to keep your distance if you want to try to have any kind of protection from other ranged attacks and stuff like that so but the thing about it and where the functions and this really gets really complex and everything is that you can have these moments where, you know, sure, here's a function that I want that's going to cause all the, the enemies to like be pulled towards me. Well, I want to pair that with one that's going to cause explosive damage. But then I also want to, so it's very, it gets very, very intricate and detailed in how you can combine all these different things together. And that kind of preemptive strategic thinking and gameplay is one of my favorite things. Yes. And that's why I'm so drawn to a lot of JRPGs and turn-based battle systems, because I personally like get a lot out of that process. I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? And I really like too about this also, when you go into the menus for each function, Normally, I feel like in some and sometimes you have to really, and maybe this is an easy thing on on super like a thing to make it a little easier to handle on Super Giant's end. But I sometimes feel with some other RPGs, you know, you match everything together, you put all this stuff, you know, you build your armor set, and you have to be like, okay, here are the stats. Then you have to like take it all off and then rebuild your your abilities, armor set, whatever whatever it is, depending on the game, to see what the next effects will be. This one, you can go to a function, inspect the function, and then scroll over a couple pages and it will have a list of like, if you pair it with this, it's going to do this. If you pair it with this, it's going to do this. So that really does give you a very, you know, customizable experience basically for playing the game. And in this instance, and in this game, when that is the core aspect of the game, true, you're trying to figure out this mystery of why the camarada are attacking or what, why the processes are running crazy in the city, why your voice was stolen. You're trying to figure all this different stuff out, but still the main core aspect of this is going to be the gameplay, the combat function. And so to see such a well-developed and fleshed out system in this game is very a very high selling for a small team no less yeah i mean let's take for example one of the perennial uh problem children of video gaming sonic which has had some super highs and some super lows really big teams work on those games Mm -hmm. and for them to so frequently turn out just terrible well i think it is is really impressive whereas you can have a small team like this and they just knock it out of the park with what is actually a very complex system right well i mean it's also the big thing that uh, you know the difference between indie and triple A triple A games are there to, you know, they're going to have the big franchises that are there to churn out the big bucks every single year. And so, yeah, you're going to get a call of duty every single year and, but don't expect great changes through it. Whereas, you know, Supergiant takes several years in between each of their games and they really take the lessons and the things that they build on from the previous one to make something even greater and better than the one before. And so, you know, I know that's not true for every triple A game, but you know, you still kind of get that, 
fatigue sometimes or like, oh, this isn't original. This isn't imaginative yeah. and everything like that. Um, so other than the combat system and all this other stuff, I've explained all the, the different thing, the battle system. Oh, so the one thing about it, though, is death occurs. This is the interesting how I feel like they, they dealt with dying. You have a health bar, but if, you, if it runs all the way out, you're get, granted an emergency turn. And on that emergency turn, you can do whatever. You can use it to get the heck out of dodge and get really far away from, from the enemies to give you time to, like, to plan out and reattack or reassess your strategy. Or you can just go through a normal attack. Um, and so, but if you don't and you're hit again, you are, one of your functions goes into override and will disappear. And it's completely random which one it's going to be. One of your four main functions. And so death happens when you die basically four times and all of your functions have, have been overridden. So and I do have retry. a quick question. When one of your functions goes into override and goes away, does your health bar come back up as yes. being re Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. It refills okay. and then it runs down. But obviously if you're not able to do as much damage because now you're limited on all your different attacks, okay. you know, you can start, it can have the domino effect where you just die, start dying really quickly. Cause, cause Especially when you get down to the last through. one. Yeah, right. I see. And now the thing about this too that makes it interesting is once the battle's over, these don't, come out of overdrive and you can just use them again. You have to go to these access points, which is where you can save and where you can customize your functions. And after you get to a certain number, it's usually only the next access point, but you can't go back to one that you previously found. You have to discover a new access oh. point. And once you do those, that will recharge the functions where you think you then use them. So especially in the early game, when you're trying to do this and you don't have very many functions, you know, a big battle can have a serious toll on you later on until you're able to finally get to those access points. They're pretty frequent, but still. Um, I mean, if you you're already on points. like your last leg oh, yeah. and you desperately don't want to run into a battle before an access point, that can be some very uh, anxiety-ridden gameplay. Oh, absolutely. But that's part of the fun. It is part of the fun. And the thing about it, too, is that the... You don't... You can't just like run into a group of enemies and then be like, oh, snap, and then like run back. What you once you run into a point, you, like the the play area gets ma gets sectioned off, and you can't leave. You're stuck within these boundaries, and you have to deal with them. And you you know you have to make do with the situation in the setting. Um, but that's been one of the biggest and most fun things about this is figuring out all the different ways to pair and and combine. One and it's interesting too how my use of the functions changes. I had this one that's called Switch. That when I first got it, didn't like it at all. I was like, oh, this is dumb. I don't understand why I, can, why I need to use this. But then I finally used it in a match where I paired it with my main normal attack, just the, the, my standard default attack. And what it'll do is it will actually switch process enemies to be on your team. And so their abilities and their functions, whatever, then start to benefit you for just for like just the time it takes basically for your turn bar to recharge. That's, it doesn't last for very long. But there are certain ones, like one enemy is called a weed. Well, it will recharge health. Oh. So if you're able to switch it and not kill it, then you can stand within its its oh, its range its aura? and it'll oh, heal you for a little bit. That's so it's clever. good planning, and especially like if there's a lot of little enemies, but one big enemy, just go run up. I'll like switch the big enemy for that turn and then do damage to all the little ones, and then he'll help me do damage to the little ones. And then it's so much easier to just hunt down and take down the big guy when you're not having to fight against all these little so things. So it's really kind of like a brief possession. You're possessing the process enemy to be on your team, and then eventually yes. they come to their senses and they're like, you son of a bitch. You've tricked me. You tricked me. <laughs> no, that's exactly what it is. Um, 
But anyway, so that's just again, it just is a truly in-depth combat system that I think is that Supergiant has pulled off things really, really well. So there's been a lot of things, and honestly, that I love about this game. You can also go to these different areas that'll have like these tests that you can run. You can also unlock these limiters that will basically give benefits and pluses to your enemies, but in exchange for an XP boost at the end of each level. So a little extra challenge mm-hmm. if you want it. Yes, exactly. And you can go turn those on, which is a thing that have is been one of Supergiant's mainstays that those have been around in both in Bash Empire and Transistor. So that's an interesting thing that they like to add into the their own little flair that they like to add into these games. Really, the only thing that I don't like about the game so far is I think there's a little too much of the narration from the Transistor. I think it's and I can't put my finger on exactly what it is about it. I think at first I thought I was like, oh, it's just because like 75% of what he says are just questions. People like but I think it's honestly just a, it's a little too much narration. I don't need as much step by step like every action told being told what I'm doing because I'm like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you, you'll go into like a corner and be like, or you'll see one of the news terminals that you can access for more information, and he'll be like, "Hey, let's check that out." It's like bro, and then you go check it out, and you're like, "Huh, didn't learn as much as I wanted." And it's like, or what's that over there? Oh, oh, okay. We so can go check it out. It's just a little too overbearing. I would feel like just be like, maybe you kill a boss and then he's like, so why did she come after us? Or why did he come after us? That's really weird. Or, you know, some kind of exposition there. Not as much uh, action by action, like commentary. Yeah, I feel I like. And so it just gets a little old for me, for me personally. But other than that, that's really been the only thing that I found that I don't like. Now, but to really tie this in and why I wanted to place this one, is because, and what I alluded to before when I first started talking about the game, is that it's interesting playing it the middle game, having played the first in the their first and most recent game, because you can see really how they have built out their development cycle, and you can see like the influences of oh, this I remember this from Bastion, which it, for you know for this one it's more of the look and the feel, like it's that isometric top down view of the of the combat. Uh, that watercolor art the watercolor style. art style all that stuff you know they kind of have the same same look and feel to them and you can get that like oh i see that from bastion but then you know as since i was more familiar i actually didn't remember the bastion having the limiters or the things that enhance your enemies until recently until actually we started talking about this here but i was playing that i was like and i got to the limiters and i was like oh that's like the titan stars empire that you can activate oh. and really for those they give you the xp boost they give you trophies if you use a certain amount for a certain amount of rounds um, Titan so have Star would make a really sick metal band name. That would. <laughs> so somebody, somebody mark that for future use. <laughs> but uh, but it's just been really, it's really interesting. I've loved all the Super Giant games. Uh, Pyre, if you haven't played, I mean, again, Bastion is an outstanding game. I've talked about that one before. Pyre, if you haven't played it yet, please go. Like, it's a great one. And so I can see from Pyre, uh, I can see the influences of Transistor's combat system moved into pyre because it's so cool it really is because and it's not as turn-based as transistor is but still you have the three this time allies in, in pyre and each have different abilities like the functions you can choose which ones you want to use for each battle again like the functions and then you can pair their strengths and abilities to be able to to have the most effective impact due to either your play style or how much damage you want to be doing. So it's a very interesting thing. But then the turn-based also then comes into play because you can only activate one and be using one of your characters at a time. So it's really cool to see how they took Bastion, which was just a single player, and you had what your weapons that you could choose between and use, which I think from either was like 
one of them could be a left click, one would be right click. Again, choose the two that are going to work best for you. Pretty simplistic combat system. Moving into this one, which has this very in-depth single-player combat system, and then how they then took that and used it with Pyre to make this team-based combat system. It's just, you, you can just follow it all in everything. And then obviously it's the same team, so you're still having the same writer for all these games, Greg Kasavin. Uh, you're having the same composer for all the music, and you can tell his influences through each one, but you can hear his influences, but each one is still incredibly unique from the others. Uh, Darren Korb is the composer for these. And so it's just, it's been a very, ex- it's an interesting thing to have played once developers whole catalog. Honestly, yeah, like I still need to really finish Transistor. Cool, I mean, it's even cool to be able to think about it that way because with right. longstanding series like Call of Duty, you never really get the sense that it's exactly the quote same team because the teams are so Well, massive. it usually is always different and they're massive. Yeah. And, you know, these developer, it's not like you can say, oh, I've played all of EA's catalog. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but it's it's an interesting thing to be able to really be able to see and see how Supergiant maintains their creative control, but it's able to still have the same influences, but completely unique feeling game experiences. So, so you can feel very invested in yes. Supergiant, kind of like they're your buddy. Like, I hey, do lo- friend, I, I do love their like stuff Like what a lot. you're doing. And I've enjoyed going to like R- RTX, uh, which is actually coming up here in a couple of weeks. Oh, I forgot um, about that. But, it's, uh, but they usually are there and that like they had demo a demo for Pyre. So that's where I played Pyre for the first time. Actually, one of my buddies, Michael, actually, uh, who was on Did last episode. Did you get a t-shirt from it or a hat or something? Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of that little well, submarine I got this, game. I bought this. Oh, you're thinking of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're kidding. thinking of, of uh, Song of the Sea. Oh, I think. that's right. Um, I did get some something from there. Um, but no, but like uh, my buddy Michael, who was on last week's episode with For the God of War, he's actually who got who showed me Bastion. I walked in when we lived together. I walked into his room one day and he was playing Bastion on his computer. I was like, what is this? <laughs> What's this I now? need to play Excuse this. <laughs> uh, so it's actually a big deal. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty... And actually, earlier this week was the one year, the 25th, I believe, uh, July was the one year anniversary for Pyre. So right now, uh, Supergiant's been doing like a lot of streams and different stuff Very like that to nice. celebrate that. So overall, loving it. I do want to finish. Like I said, I'm halfway through the game so far and I've been able to tell that by uh, boss battles and hidden trophies and stuff like that that I've come across. But it's been a super, super fun game so far and really enjoying it. I'm very interested now. Uh, I would really like to go back and visit Transistor because that type of... Were you able to pick it up when it was on PS Plus? No. Oh. I know. I mean, it's probably 15, Yeah, it can't be that expensive, but still. Uh, So, if you have no additional thoughts on Transistor... I don't. I think I'm done on that. I would like to uh, go to the other game that I played, and I'm I'm like... I'm curious about this. I'm trying not to laugh as I'm looking at it. Before we started, Moby was like, I played two, and I've got two to talk about today. And I was like, I saw one from your PlayStation profile, which was bound, and she was like... And I was so I was curious to know which one. She, and she said, "Oh, I like one a lot. I will. I did not like one the uh, very much at and all. So I've been surprised. The one I didn't like. Right. So, so I'm, you're I'm curious. You're in for a time, buddy. All right, okay. What is so this? this is not a new game. I think this game came out in either 2014 or maybe 2016. Okay. I can't quite remember how old it is. I, I think it's 2014. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but it was a free PS Plus game." almost a year ago, like a long time Mm -hmm. ago. I picked it up then because I had heard rumors about it, heard that it was like a kind of subgenre, super well-received fan-type game. Uh, It's Hotful Boyfriend. It is... What are your thoughts on this image, Jared? I mean, from what I'm looking at, it's... Which, send me this, by the way. Describe it to the listeners. Put this on the video version. I'm looking at two pigeons with a heart. Is it a pigeon dating simulator? It is a pigeon dating simulator. No lie. Okay, so here we go. 
<laughs> so, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's Hatoful Boyfriend. That's H-A-T-O-F-U-L Boyfriend. God, Fender's like scaring He's me today. He's making a lot of noises. Uh, so Hotful Boyfriend is exactly what you saw on the title card. It is a uh, pigeon dating simulator. Um, so I would, uh, that's kind of a bit of a caveat. It is a dating sim, but it's also done in the style of the kind of soft um, graphic novel game. Because the gameplay is, you don't really play the game except mm-hmm. that you make decisions about how you want to react to certain stimuli in the game. Date. Exactly. Who you want to date. So in terms of, well, what do the buttons do? Nothing. You push X to proceed and you put the directional buttons to make your decisions of uh, basically speech, like what, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So in terms of gameplay, it's extremely minimalistic. I want to show you a couple of other images of what the game yeah, actually looks like uh, in practice. Because boy, oh boy, is it is it fan-freaking-tastic, man. <laughs> so this is an image of actual in-game play. Like, this is really what it looks like. So What? I want to try to, like, it's so hard to explain because it's so ridiculous, but so wonderful. So here's the world of Hotful Boyfriend. I haven't played multiple storylines yet. I've only played through one half one and one full one. Mm-hmm. I'll explain a little bit more in a second. Uh, but you are a human person. You're a human in this game. Like, your protagonist is you are whatever you want to name yourself. I named myself Pidgeotto McPidgey. Pidgeotto. Because I thought I was a pigeon. And then the game was like, no, no, you're a human. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> well, now it just it just fits because you obviously very much love pigeons, or your parents love pigeons. I should have renamed myself Human Girl McHuman, but I messed it up, so I'm Pidgeotto McPidgey, uh, and I am the only known human in a world dominated by birds. So I don't really know all of the lore quite yet, but it seems as though humanity as a whole has perhaps had some sort of radical decline, and now birds are the dominant species? Question mark. Okay, because. I, as Pidgeotto McPidgey, I have chosen to enroll at an elite academy called Pigeonation. You heard that right. Pigeonation Academy. Okay. Uh, I've chosen to enroll at this elite school for birds, and it's just the best experience I've ever had in my life. It's so funny. So the uh, idea is you're going to school. You've got your best friend, Ryota. Mm-hmm. He's one of the pigeons you can potentially date. He's your childhood friend. He's there like your buddy, buddy, next door neighbor. But you also run into this other cat of characters that are this really fancy fantail pigeon who's like the foreign-born uh, study abroad student. student. Yeah, he's yeah. he's an aristocrat and he's very uppity. And it's like I don't know what to think about you. I think his name is Sakuya or something. Mm-hmm. Like. They're all very Japanese. <laughs> There's his older half brother who he hates, but is like the bad boy of school. It's really really funny. That's hilarious. When I first started the game, I genuinely did not know what to think of it because it was so absurd. I didn't really know how to react, mm-hmm. but as you play more of the game, you realize it is meant to be funny. It's meant to be absurd. The game wants you to laugh, and honestly, I found myself literally laughing out loud more at this game than I have in a while. Like, that much genuine laughter I haven't gotten since games like Portal, for example. Right. But Portal is a very different kind of humor. Portal is like sarcastic, intelligent humor. Mm-hmm. Hot boyfriend is this is so stupid i'm laughing so hard this is it's just over the top dumb humor and i absolutely adore it 
I gather that if you do certain storylines, the game can actually have a little bit of a dark undertone depending on which um, pigeon you've tried to pursue. By the way, every time uh, they'll try to refer to people in the game, there aren't people. So your title character will be like, oh man, I should ask some birdie to the dance instead of somebody. It'll be like some birdie. And I'm like, ah, ah, I do love a good pun. I do love a good bird pun. And it's just This game is right up your alley. It's right up my bird alley. (laughs) And so uh, the first time I played through the game, I accidentally, it wasn't quite on purpose, I accidentally wound up romancing my teacher in school who has narcolepsy, but he's a bird. (laughs) So it's really, really funny. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just accepting this. I'm just listening. It's just really funny. So at the end of my particular storyline, basically you have eight, I think it's eight to 12 different endings. Mm-hmm. So at my ending, when I romanced the teacher, he was like, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm your teacher. You're younger than me. You've still got a lot of life ahead of you, but look, here's the deal. Uh, come back to me when you're a little bit older. Uh, if you still want to be my GF, you know, let's do it. So you basically get the trophy that is like, what's to come? And mm. it like is this kind of bittersweet ending because the teacher is like, I had a love before. Pushing and I, you away. Yeah, he's like, I had a, I had the one true love of my life before, and it's implied that she died. Mm. And oh, he's like, I sad. don't know. I don't know if I can love again. But also he falls asleep in the middle of conversation. You're like, no, I had so much more to say. I just wanted to tell you I love you so more, but you're asleep. It's really funny. And it's like kind of serious, but also hysterical. Mm-hmm. But before I got to that ending, I had... Had an accidental joke ending happen. Oh, really? Because halfway through my storyline, I encountered a finch, and her name I think is Azumi. Okay. And it's really funny because every time you encounter a new character, they basically have their introduction title card that you get a brief description of them, and they each have their own soundtrack. And some of them will be like total riffs of like Beethoven's Ninth, mm-hmm. like just clearly classical music. But Azumi had this really like electric guitars and like very upbeat like badass music playing and she like rides on a scooter and she used to be in a gang but she's all about obeying traffic laws it's gotta really, stay safe yeah. but be rebels no she's really like Rebellion. the speed limit is 30 kilometers per mile and it's like what that didn't make any sense but you get the idea yeah so I really wanted her to be my bird girlfriend. Uh, unfortunately, by my accidental side job, I accidentally got her and her old boyfriend back together. Oh no! And then they decided to marry each other. So the game gave me like Your a shot at love is gone. <laughs> the game gave me a joke ending where a it gave me the trophy for getting them together, which I didn't know was a thing. So is this on PS4? This is on PS4, but you can get it. I, on I Steam. assume this is going to be some like random Steam. Purchase. No, you can get it on Steam. Okay. So originally, I should go back and talk a little bit more about this. This is primarily about the development of the game. This game is developed by max one to three people. Oh, okay. So it's from, this is again... It kind of looks like it. This is again another pun on the name. The um, art slash writer is Hato... Moa. I think that's how you pronounce her okay. last name. So Hato Moa. And her uh, doujin circle, which in Japanese uh, manga writing, like she's a manga author. Mm. And in that type of business, uh, authors will often team up with a small group of other authors and artists, basically to make the process easier, because they can all help out a little. Maybe one person does the background, one person does the writing, and one person does like the coloration. Yeah. But in this case, uh, Hatomoa was the primary artist and writer. She got a little bit of help from one of her other teammates, whose name I'm honestly blanking on, but it's almost a one-woman show, yeah. which is radical. And she initially made the game 
as a joke for April Fool's Day. It was originally a browser-based Flash game that they released on a website. The website had to take the game down because it got so popular so fast, they crashed the website twice. Wow. And the website was like, no, we can't do this anymore. So they had to take Take your pigeons and go. Take your pigeons and go. So she was like, oh man, I've got something here. So that's when she decided to actually really flesh it out and make it a more expansive full game. So it was still primarily, again, just her and a couple of her teammates, yeah. uh, and they did everything. They did all the writing. The reason they used pigeons is because you can find free stock photos of pigeons online and just, Don't cu- them. just yeah. cut them out in Photoshop, paste them right into your game. That's awesome. So she used a lot of royalty-free stuff. Uh-huh. All of the backgrounds are really simplistic, so it's clearly a one-woman show, but she did so much with what little she had to work with. She was like, I'm going to make the best damn pigeon dating sim you've ever heard of and it is done to just fantastic effect i really can't stress how much genuine absurd delight i got out of this ridiculous game so the main question i have this sounds like it's all good and fun get your bird puns get your 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 bird dating in it's all great why did you choose to play this it was free on ps plus there we go. Uh, like I saw it on PS Plus. It was free. I was like, that looks freaking hilarious. So I downloaded it, realized it was a really low budget indie game. And I was like, oh man, that would be perfect, perfect for, our, for next our next episode. I wanted to play it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I already have it. So I went back and played it. I fully intend to go through the other side stories. Nice. So unlike with Bound, where it's only got the one story and I decided to and just give up. Done. Uh, Hot for Boyfriend, totally ridiculous, but I have that motivation to go back and see what else happens because I want to know. I Mm want to know how the other storylines end. I want to know how many other routes you can take. So in terms of how much fun factor you get out of this extremely minimalistic game, it's like so good for what you get. So it's ultra cheap. I got it for free. You look for it on sale. I would recommend anybody, anybody play this game. It is so amazing and stupid. You will absolutely laugh. You will love it. Nice. It's speaking of like dating, a dating simulator and different stuff like that. One that's uh, another indie game that's that I've seen popped up. It had a lot of buzz when it first came out and I've often just kind of been like, man, if I ever have the time to like, just play this and I really want to play it, is that uh, Dream Daddies? Oh my god! We both need to play Dream Daddy. We really do. You know, it was made by the guys who do Game Grumps. Yeah. Yeah, so we absolutely should play that wanna, game I've, I've and then we can curious. compare notes. I've been very curious about that game. So on the next episode of Team Chat Indies we'll be featuring Hellblade Tenu's Sacrifice and Dream Daddy. Oh man, Hellblade. <laughs> I want to get to that one so bad. Another game that I was actually thinking about talking about before I decided I just really wanted to focus on Transistor. Uh, it, uh, it's a game bought it on on a whim more because i thought it would be one that sam would really get into uh because she loves doing like you know arts crafts home improvement stuff you know like she builds her own saw horses. i know what you're talking about house flipper yes house flipper yeah. oh my so god I bought, so, so i cool. bought house flipper um and i played i put on my laptop realized my laptop as powerful as it is this game still got some serious graphics. Yeah. So I, so I was like, mm, I'll put this on my big computer. And I played around. It did a couple of the first few early, early jobs and everything. So I guess you can call this my honorable mention. It was fun. I can definitely see how this is. A, it's like the tasks that you have to complete are not difficult. 
but they are very just like mindless things. So I can see how you could very quickly be like sucked into this game and just be there for hours doing home improvement projects, renovating like these the houses. Sims, but yeah. where you're just trying to fix a house. Yeah. <laughs> but so I haven't gone back to really play it because I installed it on my big computer and then played it for like 30 minutes, 30, 20 minutes. I'm pretty sure these aren't uh, like causation, like what cause for the other. But that was the day then like, that my hard drive died oh, <laughs> in my big computer and I had bummer. to get it set. So now I'm scared to play it again oh, on my no. computer because I'm like, but what if? What, what if, if for totally some reason was it was House did? Flipper? <laughs> uh, so I'm scared to play it again, but I want to play more of it because it was fun, but oh, I'm, I'm that's terrified. Super funny. <laughs> but anyway, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun and one that I hope to get into a little bit more. But yeah, so that is our rundown of some other indie games that we think, well, two, I guess, that we think you should check out. One, eh, one, don't bother. Maybe so don't bother. Play Hotful Boyfriend. It's play the Transistor. best. And play Transistor because it's really fun. And other really super fun. giant games. Again, I'm going to say it. Play Bastion, play Pirate. The games are excellent. And actually, I think that most of them are also available on Steam. Yes, all of them are. And when Actually, Steam... Bastion and Transistor are actually also available on iOS. Ooh, very cool. So these are the types of games that frequently have sales. Yes. So especially if you have a Steam account or a PlayStation Plus account or a Xbox Gold account, yeah. you'll probably be able to find these on sale at some point. Oh, yeah, definitely. So check those all out. They are fantastic, excellent games. But uh, thank you again, Ark, for the question, uh, for bringing this up. Sorry we weren't able to find ones that necessarily fit quite into your criteria just we haven't played Hotful Boyfriend does Hotful Bo- Boyfriend <laughs> does and uh, Supergiant I mean Transistor is just right there I did though pick out some some of these games we talked about before that I knew had some smaller um, development teams obviously like Super Meat Boy was made by two guys uh, Undertale was made by one guy uh, Jonathan Blow he makes his own games like Witness and does all that stuff he's usually a one to two man team there. a and then, like, uh, fan favorite of our listener base is Stardew Valley yep. I believe that's one guy yep. unfortunately neither of us have played it but it's on my list to eventually go back and now explore. that I know Michael's playing it I'm kind of now like okay if oh you're so now that another dude plays no, it you'll play no, no, it no, 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 no. I see how it is his, his and I's likes <laughs> coincide often okay so I'm, I'm just like you know what uh, well, for one, none of my friends really talk about playing it. You haven't played it yet, so that's I true. That's so I haven't point. had your re- recommend, you know, glowing recommendation to go off of yet. Uh, and then uh, Peter Molyneux, like he's been more an influential designer, but he makes his games like usually kind of a one man team, like Goddess and stuff and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. You can check out. So there are some for you to go look into if those you know float your boat. <laughs> but before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which this one is was also patron sub- patron submitted from uh, Bro Mogan. He asked us, and actually ties very well into this topic. It does. He, t- job, he suggested Mogan. it to us last week, but I was like, we're doing God of War. I've got to do a God of War song for this one. But your song selection actually fits very well into this week's topic. And his soundtrack is from the game Celeste, which recently, that came out earlier this year uh, for the Nintendo Switch, took it by storm. Oh, but yeah. But also a very, another like small developed, small group uh, indie game that did really well. Uh, my personal prediction is that at next year's Game Awards, Celeste is probably going to take uh, Best Indie. You think so this I, year? I think that's going to happen. Yeah, so uh, personally, I have not played Celeste, and I think you said you haven't played Celeste for the same reason. It's I like Super Meat Boy, but damn it, was that game hard? <laughs> yeah. And Celeste, is, I feel like, is going to be the exact same way. I only have so much time in my it life for a platformer hard. that's going to make me want to throw my <laughs> controller across the room. I saved those for Ori and the Blind Forest. <laughs> Which, I'm getting close to finish. I almost thought, I was trying to see if there's any way I could talk about that one, but I hadn't finished it. I'm like, 
almost finished. I probably have like an hour or so left in that game. And then I was like, eh, no, nah, I really can't call what? that one an indie. It's, it's too, it has, yeah, it's too good. It's too good. It's too good. It has too much support from like Microsoft and stuff. So yeah, I was like, I it's can, got I a lot of I couldn't call that one enough. An That's indie. why I didn't include any of like uh, EA originals. Yeah. Because they're backed by a huge, like a behemoth. So it's right. like they're not really right. indie. So yeah, I get what you're saying. But anyway, so uh, the track that he selected for us is uh, First Steps. So stick around after the close to hear that, to listen to that. But with that, that concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. Until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song. Mm-hmm.